Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we, can we just love him, love on him a little bit? Can we just love on the Lord a little bit? Can we just love on him a little bit? No, come on, please, please. I, I know it, it's a little difficult. But I promise you, we're not going to something else. We're going to continue what's already happened. We're not go. This this is the work of the Holy Ghost. It's not. We didn't get down and plan this. We didn't say, okay, you're going to speak on this. You're going to speak on this. The Holy Ghost has done all that for us. Come on, come on, just a little bit farther. Can we do that? Can we go a little farther here? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 I have experienced this week one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life. Monday night after church, I had to get my vehicle drive down here and the reason that was so hard because I was leaving behind three weeks of the greatest move of God I've ever experienced in my 60 years around Pentecost the kind of move that you dream about Pray about, weep for, confess, fight devils over, despair at ever happening. I told Brother Godman, I said, there's only one way I'm willing to leave this and come. I've made a commitment, but there's only one way I'm willing to leave this and come to the conference this year. He said, what's that? I said, is it if I have any hope that I can bring that there? And I told him, I said, you know, sometimes you go around other people and go other places, and it's, it's really hard to be yourself. And some of you would half sarcastically, half kiddingly say, you've ever had a problem being yourself? More than you know. I don't know if I've ever gone any place other than Antioch and was truly who I am and what I am and whatever. But I'm, I'm working real hard at it this week. I was kind of restrained last night and I've been a little less restrained this morning, but uh, I'm working up to it because it's not an easy thing to do crowds of Pentecostals nine out of ten times don't encourage a move they suppress a move I told a man last night I said God wants to use you mightily. 
you've been begging him and praying for God to do some things in your life and in your church. And he wants to do it, but he can't. It's not the devil keeping it from happening. It's you that's keeping it from happening. It's one thing to be submitted to those in authority over us. It's another thing to be submitted to the opinion of our peers. Submission to authority is of God. Conforming to the opinion of our peers is totally contrary to Scripture. And God tests every man that He calls, every woman that He calls, and puts you in situations where you have to choose to do what He wants you to do or fit in. And how you handle that test determines whether He ever gives you what you're asking for or not. It's absolutely right. I didn't say this. Brother Godwin said to me, you know, when Israel was in such trouble, God had to send them two prophets to finally get the message across. Haggai and Zechariah. We just heard Haggai. You're going to think Brother Shatwell and I have planned this together. But if you are a preacher, you understand nobody wants to preach the same message right after somebody else. Oh, the context will be different. The personality will be different. The approach will be different. But the message is exactly the same. That's how determined God is. That you receive this tonight. He's determined. The Lord's determined. Or to this morning, today, whatever time it is. I appreciate Brother Dylan so very much. Because we don't have a start and a stopping time. We have a basic order that the three of us go in. But we've been made to understand that we're supposed to obey God. So if you check your schedule... I don't know what time it is right now, and I'll quit just as soon as God's done. Okay. I was in Norway the first part of July, and uh, now that I'm 60, I'm finally wise enough to understand a few things, and that's that uh, I do a whole lot better when I go someplace early and rest, especially if the time zone changes are significant enough. So my son David and I went to Norway, and we were going to be over there for a conference. We went in a couple of days early and just drove around that beautiful, beautiful nation. And I'm a people watcher. I study people. I study people more than I talk to them. You can say, man, it's okay. And uh, I got up to teach in the first session, and the Lord began to open my understanding some things. In fact, there's one Greek word when it talks about spiritual understanding. The Greek word understanding is to put things together. Understanding is when God puts things together. That's what we heard this morning. 
We received understanding. God put some things together. Okay. I got up and started talking and, and I looked at some faces and folks that I could see the only face. Man, he is really smart. And I'm thinking to myself, if you only knew, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just listening and repeating. And, and I'm blown away by what's coming because I didn't even know I knew this. But as I began to talk and I realized I'd been doing it for years. I said to them, you know, if you, if you observe the men of a culture, and later on I re- the Lord said it doesn't just work for a culture, it works for a church. If you observe the men of a culture or a church, you can determine the character of that group of people. Not the character of the men, the character of the whole group of people. You can determine the, uh, the uh, 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 strength of that group of people by watching the men. If, if that group of people has character, it will be reflected in the men. If that group of people has strength, it will be reflected in the men. But if you observe the women of a culture or a church, you'll be able to determine the spirit of that culture. Or that group, or that church, you'll be able to determine the the depth the depth of devotion, the passion. Men do not reflect the spirit or the passion. Women are emotion first, intellect second. Men are intellect first, emotion second. Men don't reflect the spirit very well. Women are naturally more sensitive to the spirit world. Than men are. Therefore, since it's natural to them, they can't help but reflect and broadcast the spirit of a culture. The spirit of a church. And Norway, uh, you know, Scandinavian women have been known as beautiful for years. I mean, everybody understands, you know, if you consider blonde, blue eyed, that's, you know, I mean, so many of them could be models, you know. But there's no sensuality there. You go to Rio, Brazil, the, even the ugly ones are sensuous because it's the spirit of the culture. Norway is the only nation in Europe that wasn't converted to Christianity voluntarily. The Danish king, several hundred years ago, took his army to Norway. When he'd come to a village, he'd give them an ultimatum. Become Christians or die. Those villages that converted were allowed to live. The villages that refused to convert from their pagan god would be killed. So Norway eventually became Christian at the point of a sword. The underlying spirit of Norway, it it is the the, the main European nation that is still not and refuses to be a part of the European economic community. Fiercely independent, afraid of nothing, needing nothing. They call their weather. I mean, this is the Norsemen, the Northmen, the Vikings. That's where all these people came from. They call their weather invigorating. We would call it horrible. I mean, summertime is in the 70s. It goes down from there. But they're an extremely outdoor-oriented people. 
And I said to the Lord those first two days, how do you reach a group of people that are independent, self-sufficient, and with no obvious need from their perspective? You can reach a needy people without spirituality, without a move of God. You find a way to meet their need, they'll come be a part of it. But you can't reach a people who are rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing naturally. Can't do it. And the Lord spoke to me from Zechariah. You know how the Lord gives you something sometime you knew before, you'd heard before, but even though He gave it to you again, it was like fresh and brand new. And he simply I, I said to him, how are we going to reach this nation? And he said, it's not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The thing that bothers me so much. I'm going to let you sit down in just a moment. There's just not a whole lot supernatural in Pentecost anymore. We are characterized by predictable Pentecostal program. That defines us. We got it all planned out. We have it all organized. We have it all programized. And it's sad what we call a move of God these days. And we confess how sad it is by the name we give to it. We had a divine interruption. My God. Because does God have to interrupt our predictability to do something supernatural? Unfortunately, the evidence says, yes. You may be seated. The book of Zechariah is probably one of the most significant books concerning our generation in all the Old Testament. It is the, the chapter, or ch- chapter 4 especially of Zechariah, is the chapter that specifically refers to our day. As you well know, Old Testament prophecies and words from God have a natural or an immediate current application. But frequently, their long-term or future tense application is even of greater significance. The short-term application was the temple had had the foundation laid and nothing else was happening. It wasn't happening. It was all at a standstill. Like we've been for the last hundred years. Still working on the foundation. Still working on it. If you don't believe it, just go to most conferences and hear what people preach. It's all foundation stuff. 
preaching it over and over and over and over again. Now, in a whole missions work, when you got a bunch of new converts, you need to hear that. But do I need to hear that? Is there somebody here that needs to hear that? You need to hear all over again the necessity of baptism in Jesus' name. The necessity and filling of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues we say. You need to understand the necessity of living a separated life. Somebody's got to preach that to you all over again. We spent a hundred years on the foundation. I understand, I understand, I understand. The greater the, high, the structure is going to be, the more, more time and work that goes into a foundation. The first time we ever built a building in Annapolis, my impatience was amazing. I drove people nuts. I want to know why, what are we doing? Why do we have to spend all this time digging? Why do we have to do all of this? When are we going to build? And they patiently answered the question for the umpteenth time. Because this is the most important part of the building. I know, but I can't have church on a foundation. It's not the building. Hallelujah. I promised you I wasn't going to hold back. So here goes. I can't wait for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to finally be built. Because it's not in existence today. We got a bunch of folks just having church on a foundation. Hallelujah. Maybe some of us have even got a slab poured. I got a slab where there used to be a building. And three years later it's still just a slab. And I think the Lord is trying to get a message across. That's not the, that's not the house. That's not it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know something really awesome about turning 60? All that stuff I used to preach when I was younger, everybody said I was crazy, he's a wild man, he's a lunatic. You know, all that stuff. It's back. I want to see what the... uh, He's too young, he's a smart aleck. Hey, let me tell you something. I earned all these gray hairs. I earned all of those that are turned loose. All these wrinkles and everything else. The birth certificate says 60. That makes me an elder. And I'm still preaching the same stuff. Right. Right. Praise God. Foundation. No building. So a vision comes to Zechariah. It's a message for Zerubbabel, the, con- the head of the construction. And the, and, and, and the vision is of a lampstand, all of gold. And, the, and, and Zechariah says to the angel, what's this? And the angel is totally dumbfounded. And says to Zechariah, you don't know what this is? It's amazing what we, as a quote-unquote apostolic church, are ignorant of. The heavens are shocked at what we don't know. The angel said, you don't know what this is? He says, no, my Lord. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. 
But instead of giving him the explanation of what it was, he seemed to give him a completely unrelated response. But it wasn't unrelated at all. He didn't give him the explanation of what he was seeing. He gave him the explanation of how to get what he was seeing. And we don't know, and they, nobody knew until the Isle of Patmos what that lampstand was. The last part of the chapter says, this is the mystery of the golden, not candlestick, lampstand. It's the church. It's the church. Now, do you honestly believe that the Lord wasn't aware that the temple was nothing but a foundation that they'd stopped building? All they spent time was on the foundation and didn't build the rest of the building? And that there was, do you think the Lord thought there was not going to be any kind of correlation to a coming day with a supernatural body? You think the Lord didn't realize the parallels? Oh, let me tell you something. The parallels are intimately specific in their details. Hallelujah. I don't know how I do that, but I, 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 somehow I really managed to do it. I'm just I'm not trying to be hard to get along with, but well, some of you just rock back on your heels and you got me all shut up. In the past, I've worried about that. I'm not worried today. I'm going to preach this to those that will receive it, and I'm not worrying about the ones that won't. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. You don't think the Lord understood that? You don't think the Lord understood there would be a day when His spiritual temple would be only a foundation, and they would think that was enough, and they'd quit building on it? And He told them. He told us the answer. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Put that verse up there for me, please. Zechariah 4, 6. Now, we've read 6. Let's read 7. Oh, let's, yeah, that's it. This is the next verse. The Lord is still speaking. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. The mountain's not good, it's bad. You think God is going to become a plain? No. Whatever the resistance is, whatever the opposition is, whatever the great obstacle is standing between you and the promises of God, the Lord is promised, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord, it's going to become a plain, a very flat place, offering no resistance at all. And He shall bring forth the headstone thereof. With shoutings. Been a long time since it's been much of that Pentecost. Too much praise music. Praise God. I will in a little bit. Just want to sow the seed. Hallelujah. Crying grace, grace unto it. Grace unto it. There's a subject we don't understand. Next verse. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying. Now here's one of the most, mis most misquoted verses in Pentecost. 
In fact, there was an article by a very well-respected leader, a friend of mine, in the forward, misquoting this verse. The whole article is based on the misquote. Verse 7, 9. <laughs> the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall also finish it. It talks about a generation. When God does this thing, it's going to be done in a generation. And thou shalt know the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Ten. Here it is. Here's where it's quoted. Who hath despised the day of small things? That's not what it says. It says, for who hath despised the day of small things? For they, relative pronoun referring back to something as its subject, shall rejoice. Who's going to rejoice? Those that refuse to be satisfied and make small noble. There's no shame in being small. There's shame in being satisfied in being small. There's no shame in starting with two people. Been there, done that. There's no shame in having only two or three to preach to. Been there, done that. The shame is being satisfied with it. But oh no, 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 no. We're not preaching that in Pentecost because there's too many votes controlled by the guy that's trying to justify being small. This movement wants the money from the big churches, but nobody trusts them. Because they've all got an agenda. You're right. We got an agenda. It's see God do what He promised, and we're not going to be satisfied. Not going to be satisfied. Not thankful, but not satisfied. You need to learn to be thankful for everything God does. Big or little. But you got to quit being satisfied. you got to quit justifying it. you got to quit accepting it as your lot in life. The problem is small is a relative term. By book of Acts standards, we don't have any big churches. You talk about watering stuff down. Oh, God, I got some folks upset with me. A few folks that are older than me. Well, I'm, you know, I get a senior citizen discount, too. Get that look off me. Truth is truth. It's always been the truth. It's always been the truth. Satisfied. Satisfied with playing church and collecting tithes. My God, my God, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me tell you, home missionary, something. If reaching your city is dependent upon you preaching as good as so-and-so, or having music as good as so-and-so, most of us don't have a chance. We didn't go, I didn't go to Annapolis as a good preacher. I didn't go, we didn't go there with great singing. That's probably the best thing we had going was my wife on the organ. She wasn't playing praise music either. 
we danced and shouted that won't we have a time when we get over yonder and God is great and greatly be praised. The operative word is we danced and shouted. Not You know what? You want to see the difference between Pentecost and Charismatics? This is Pentecost. This is Charismatic. You know what the difference is? I surrender. Give me. I surrender. Give me. Watch it. Just watch it. You see pictures of it? Watch it. That's true. That's true. Oh, God. I'm cooking. I'm cooking. I'm cooking. I got I to I calm down here a little bit. Why? We got to have a move. You know what? We've got brethren that are trying to emulate all that. We've got brethren that are trying to seek out after all of that. They want signs and wonders and miracles. I could care less. There isn't anything that happens in the, supposedly happens in these crusades that's not Old Testament. People did all that stuff before they ever, anybody ever got the Holy Ghost. You don't even have to have truth to pr- pray for somebody that's sick. But oh God, we want to make a big deal out of miracles. Let me tell you something. Brother Morgan was preaching our camp. And last night he was doing a, a, a Holy Ghost crusade. He said something, and man, I'm, I'm out here. It, it's all it took was one trigger. And the Holy Ghost said this to me. When we stop envying them and realize that we can do something they cannot do, and it's the most important thing to do, what's the greatest miracle God does in anybody's life? No, 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 no. That's too generic of term. Saves them. They think they're saved. They think they're saving people. What's the greatest miracle God does in a person's life? Fills them with the Holy Ghost. When's the last time you heard of a charismatic crusade for people to come get the Holy Ghost? They can't do it. They don't do it. Because they don't have that faith or miraculous level. I'm not stooping down to the, their level to compete with them in miracles when the greatest miracle is people receiving the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you want to focus on something as a home missionary that will guarantee you will build a church, you do whatever you've got to do to make sure that if a sinner comes in your door, they're going to get the Holy Ghost if they want it. None of this seeking business. None of this seeking business. None of this tarrying business. None of this pre-day of Pentecost stuff. No, no. You make sure you've got the faith. If that person comes in the building to get them in the altar and get them prayed through the Holy Ghost, you'll build a church. Because people want the Holy Ghost. They want the Holy Ghost. You know, that, 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 that was an East Coast guy last night. Northeast guy, actually. Y- y'all can't relate to us up there. You crossed the Potomac River, the border between Maryland and Virginia. You just left the Bible Belt. It's, it's the Bible Belt. You crossed into Maryland. We don't have big Baptist churches everywhere. We got heathens. They don't know a thing about God. But you know something? In 36 years, 
75% at least of the people who have got the Holy Ghost in our church got the Holy Ghost the very first time they ever came to an altar. And at least 50% of the people who have gotten the Holy Ghost in our church got the Holy Ghost the first time they ever walked in a Pentecostal church building. Now, you don't keep all of them. Because they don't know anything about God. They just come in and hear something better than they've ever heard, ever heard in their life. They're feeling something they've never felt in their life. They want this. You offer it to them and you've got confidence you can help them understand how to receive it. They're going to get it. Then you start teaching them. They find out the cost of discipleship. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is different. But you know something? You pray enough of them through, you'll build a church after a while. And you know something else? They get back out there and find out the price of not living for God is a whole lot greater than living for God. Next thing you know, they start coming back. It's not by might. The word might means an army of men. It's not how many you've got. It's not how many are sitting there. It's not a cop-out to excuse smallness, but it is a verse that gives courage. It's where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm in the midst. I don't care how small you are. If you can get a sinner into the atmosphere of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can get them prayed through to the Holy Ghost. After the day of Pentecost, the majority of miracles followed people getting saved, not preceded getting saved. In Acts chapter 8, they had all those miracles the charismatics were striving for. That was really wonderful, wasn't it? But they had to have Peter and John come down for the miracle. Are you going to lower yourself to make your focus People getting healed when God's greatest miracle is people getting the Holy Ghost and you got the inside track on it. I'm not competition with anybody. I am the competition. They can't do it out there. Oh, they get them to confess the Lord. They may feel better. They get them to repent of their sins. They're going to feel better. But it doesn't last very long. It doesn't last long. There's something more. There's something more. We've got the more. You've got the more. You've got it. You've got the more. My God, my God. My God. Hallelujah. Would you really like to know the problem? There's a simple, really a simple explanation for the problem and a simple solution. Would you like to know the problem? Okay, you, you asked for it. Matthew chapter 12. What's that verse, David? Is it 34? I don't remember exactly. You're the pastor. You're supposed to remember this stuff now. Let's try it. Oh, that's close enough. 35. 36. 37. We're getting there. 38. 39. Oh, Lord, help me. 40. I think it's 42, 43, I think it is. Uh, No, come on, let's go. Try 44. Mm, Nope, let's go back to 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, 
You know why? The average Pentecostal church, apostolic church, hadn't had a devil cast out anybody in years and years and years. Do you know why the average Pentecostal that should, according to the Bible, have signs following them? The first one before speaking in tongues is casting out devils. And the average Pentecostal rarely even speaks in tongues, not even counting casting out a devil. That if a devil manifests itself, they're running in a different direction. We heard about evidence today. If someone came into your church and arrested you and your people for being Pentecostal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If somebody walked into your building in your city and arrested you and your people for being Pentecostal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do you know why we avoid the spirit world? Because we feel so vulnerable and defenseless. Here's why. Next verse. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Do you know the problem? Two of those three things are good. Swept is a synonym of cleansed. Cleansed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse. He comes and finds us cleansed. That makes us vulnerable. No. You know what the third one there is? The word garnished is the Hebrew word that is also used as adorn. In verses such as, women should be adorned in modest apparel. It is a key holiness Greek word. It speaks about having the outside looking right. And so here comes the devil. He founds the, finds the vessel he had to leave. Clean, no sin, and the outside's right. But the door is open to come and bring seven more worse than him and refill that clean, outwardly holy person. Listen now. That's our problem, Brother Shatwell, right there. That's all we focus on. That's the judge of a man. I preached this in Massachusetts last week in a manifest meeting. My youngest son was with me. He said, Dad, every Pentecostal young person raised in the church needs to hear that message, this message. He said, because we're taught the two things we need to focus on is staying forgiven and staying outwardly looking right. All right. And that's why we're sitting ducks for the devil. Because, my friend, the problem of the three is empty. And there are some things so valuable, it doesn't matter what else you have and how valuable it is. If that thing is missing, everything else is worthless. 
Is it possible to be an empty Pentecostal? We're not talking about sin now. It's cleansed. We're not talking about holiness. It's garnished. It's adorned properly. How much of our preaching focuses on those two and we leave out the most important one because the other two without the first one is are worthless they're worthless worthless empty empty you know who the source of emptiness is not the devil John chapter 7 verse 37 says on the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water the word belly there in the Greek means literally cavity figuratively it's translated inner man but the word is literally cavity Why? Because the Creator God, when you were born, wasn't finished with you yet. You were birthed an incomplete creation. All right. There was a part of you that was left unfinished. It was left unfinished. It was left empty. You see, we talk about lust. And that's a bad thing. No, no, no. Desire, all desire comes from the same source. The emptiness. Desire in and of itself is not wrong. It's not bad. It's how I choose to fulfill that desire that ultimately tags it as good or bad. Galatians 5 says... For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you... So that you what? Cannot do the things that you would. Spiritual paralysis comes. When I bounce back and forth between fulfilling the lust of the flesh, which is not necessarily sin, it's just flesh. We got to get this sin business out of our mind. There's a lot of stuff that's hindering what we're doing for God that has nothing to do with sin. It's called weight. As far as we're concerned, if it's not sin, it's okay. Wrong. There's a lot of stuff that's not sin. That's a weight for those that are running. Now, if you're sitting back fat, dumb, and happy, and you don't care anything about a move of God, you just have to. Have, you're just trying to have just a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, you just finally want to have enough size groups so your name can appear off the bottom of the Sunday school report. Then maybe it's not a big deal to you. But if this has nothing to do with the Sunday school report or gaining enough prestige to get an office, woe be unto the people and the person that's leading them. 
who doesn't have a ministry before they get an office. And tell me we haven't been a victim of that in Pentecost for years. Not everybody, that's not what I'm saying. But some men have to have an office because it's the only way to have any prestige. They don't have any other claim to fame. Why? Empty people. Empty. Empty. That cavity is the source of all desire. And in John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus connected thirst or desire with the cavity because that is the source of all desire. You know what? God loves winos and drug addicts and prostitutes and all that. He loves people that even though they perverted the way to express their desire to get the desire fulfilled, they don't sit back in, in, in complacency. Because if you can ever get that willingness to go to an extreme channel in fulfilling their desire the right way, you're going to have something. But you show me somebody that's good and kind and just wonderful without God, I'll show you somebody you're not going to see a whole lot of difference when they get the Holy Ghost. They're not going to want God all that much more than they wanted the world. Oh, Jesus. Empty, 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 empty. Empty, empty, empty. 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 How can we be empty? You know that McDonald's has made a fortune not off selling hamburgers? The hamburger is what gets you in the door to get you to pay for the Coke. Because they fill the cup with ice. And then it's such a small amount of Coke they have to sell for that price. You know the profit margins in the drinks they sell are huge. And you say, I want a large Coke. And they put that cup down there. And you sip three or four or five times and it's empty. You shake that thing and say, what's wrong with this? They said it was full. I saw it sloshing around the top. No, no, you're missing something. It was really empty of Coke. There was just enough foam to appear as though it had some Coke. There wasn't a whole lot in it. And you let that Coke sit a little while without drinking it. And then try to drink it and tell me how much Coke was in it. It gets so watered down, you find out there wasn't very much Coke. It was mostly water. Do you know how many apostolics live their life just like that? Just like that. They live a deception. They think they're full, but there's so much crud in their heart. Stones. You know why it was called stony ground? Jesus was called a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You know what stony ground is? A heart full of a Bitternesses and offenses. And God gives you the Holy Ghost before you get rid of that. Because without His Spirit, you don't have the ability to forgive and to get rid of that stuff and get healed. But there's so many Pentecostals, once they get the Holy Ghost, that justifies keeping that stuff. Well, it must not be too bad for me to feel this way. God gave me the Holy Ghost with it. But let me tell you what happens. First time something goes wrong, they're out of here because they get offended at the word. 
You know why they get offended at the word? Because offense is their lifestyle. That's their lifestyle. Not only real offenses, but imagined offenses. Their heart's full of that stuff. They think they're full of God and they're not full of God at all. They got just enough taste. Just enough taste to call themselves Pentecostals. But there's not a thing real about them. It's not real. Seeds. Seeds of thorns. Looks like it's doing okay. But it doesn't take long down the road for what's coming from the seeds of thorns to be more vibrant and healthy than what the Word was trying to produce to the point nothing ever really comes to fruition in their lives. Empty. 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 Matthew 5 and 6 says, and probably very few people in the building that would even come close to not even knowing what that verse is. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The word filled means completely satisfied. The best way to get people in your building is for them to see something in you they don't have. Brother Kraft, I remember that story you told years ago about that dear sister that was in your church. That when all those important people would come, you said one time, you said, oh, Lord, judge so-and-so or somebody like that was in the house. Please don't let sister, sister who? Sister Frazier get up and do it today. And about that time, this is the way I remember the story. If I've got it in a little office, best mom remember about that time she gets up and goes, whoa, starts doing laps around the place. And he said, after, sir, after church, that, that dignitary said, who was that, old, that, that elderly lady? I sure wish I had what she has. Uh-huh. You see, our problem is, hey, some of y'all are so envious because of the judges and other people like that's coming to his church. Do you know why they come? Not because they put on this dignified program here. But because Jerry Wayne Dillon is going to be Jerry Wayne Dillon. I don't care who is here. And you know what? They look at that and say, whatever he's got, I don't have it. And I want it. And you're trying to out-Baptist the Baptist and out-program the Catholics. And they come in and sit in your place and say, they ain't no different here than any place else I've been. No place. No place. No difference. Why do they want to be in your place? Some of you are trying to out-charismatic the charismatics. A couple of weeks ago, it was going. I mean, God was doing it. And, and, and I, I'm not the pastor anymore. I'm the bishop. And some of you think that's just a title to make me feel better. No, Pastor Emeritus is not in the Scripture. And I am not Pastor Emeritus. I am not without authority. 
and I'm not a troublemaker. You ever heard of Moses on the mountain with his arm raised? And Joshua in the valley fighting the battle? Takes two levels of leadership for a church to go beyond where we are. And those two levels have got to work together. One's got to provide the authority. The other one's got to lead in the battle. But we take the old man. We want him to go out to pasture turn it over. Well, let me tell you something. You know, you were preaching about stocks and bonds this morning. We got stocks and bonds in our day, and they do the exact same thing today as they did all those years ago. They imprison. Boy, you get some preachers together. They're going to take a They're a lot more animated talking about the latest stock, stock tip they got than they are about the latest person that got the Holy Ghost. I know you've seen what's sitting out here. Yeah, it's sitting out there. You ought to see the house I live in. Yeah, I'm serious. 7,000 square feet if it's nothing. My wife drives an Audi A8. I drive a Cadillac Escalade. And when the bank looks at my financial statement, they think I'm a poor man. I don't own any of it. Church gets all the benefit from it. It's all theirs. I can't retire. I got nothing to retire on. And that was the plan from the beginning. Because the book says they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That, that, that is in the book, isn't it? Isn't it in the book someplace? I think it's in there. You know, I got, a, I got an investment tip for you. Try the return that comes on investments in the kingdom of God. Because if we get that money invested in the kingdom rather than in the secular world, we wouldn't have to have that missionaries on deputation in two years. Hallelujah. I know there's some people get up and pop off about stuff like that and it's not true. But I tell you what, <laughs> God knows this is true. Empty. Empty. Let's say we do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Anybody hungry? You hungry? You didn't eat anything this morning? I had a bowl of cereal. Didn't last long. You think God was stupid, ignorant, when he used terminology like hunger and thirst? Or do you think he was trying to communicate something to me about my needs spiritually? And you know, the average Pentecostal, regardless whether they're on the platform or in the pew, only eats two or three times a week. The average Pentecostal doesn't eat unless somebody prepares a meal for them. They don't drink unless somebody's on the keyboard. Now, if I go three days without food, I'm fasting from food. 
But if I don't eat or drink from Sunday to Wednesday, I just fasted Jesus. And if I go from Wednesday to Sunday without eating or drinking living water and bread of heaven, I just fasted Jesus. And you know what happens? I get hungry. I get thirsty. I'm not eating the bread of life. I'm not drinking living water. So about the, the second day after church, I'm hungry. But I'm not eating bread of life and drinking living water. I'm going to fill it with something. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to fill it with something else. And so what I, and then I end up sinning. So when I can't come to church where I should be coming and celebrating what God's doing, I come dragging into church hoping somebody's going to help get me prayed back through. And I get a little sip of water and, and get a couple of bites of bread and, and, and just enough to kind of get a little bit of strength back. And here comes Monday again. And so my life becomes a cycle of coming to church and getting just a little bit of substance to keep from dying and then the rest of the week getting hungry enough to try the world and then coming back to church and, and getting a little bit and then fasting Jesus and getting hungry and trying the world. And that is the definition of Pentecost today. Right there. The exception to that rule is so rare it's hard to find them. hard. We're busy. We're busy working for God. We're busy. We're working. We're not working for God. I'm working for God. God said, if I need anything, I wouldn't tell you. He's looking for somebody to work through, not somebody who's going to try to do something for him. Empty. Empty. There's got to be, there's got to be something happening here. There's got to be an awareness. You, you know, we, we, what, what the reference that Brother Shatwell made earlier today about my youngest son, Joel, and his wife, Cater, expecting a baby, and, and it better get the water turned off because my oldest son, David, and his wife have four. Nine through three. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a, it's a wonderful thing. To have kids to love on and send home. And you get to watch, but you don't have to worry about correcting. That's a wonderful thing. I love it. Really. But you know something about those kids? It was so, I guess they were just weird. You know, everybody knows that if you name right, you're weird. So I guess they're just weird. Because the moment they could sit up, they were put in a high chair at the table. And the tray wasn't a tray. It was like a big bowl. I mean, really, it had edges around it. And it didn't take very long till they didn't want you putting a spoon in their mouth. They wanted you to put something on their tray. You know, and they still don't have it all coordinated. And you're, you, you feel bad for them while they're trying to get their hand on it and then <laughs> get it in the mouth. It's all over their face. And you say, here, let me help you. Not, they don't want any help. But you're too young to feed yourself. No, no, no. There's something in that baby that understands if I am to survive and grow, I've got to learn to feed myself. What happened to Pentecost? 
What in the world? What in the world are we birthing? People that are content to have the Holy Ghost 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and never even want a desire to feed themselves? Some of us don't want them to learn to feed themselves. Because the only way we feel like we have any purpose in life is that they need us. So we don't tie them to Jesus. We tie them to ourselves. Because our, our opinion of ourselves as the man of God preached last night is so warped and messed up and low. That we need people needing us. So we become the savior. We become the mediator. And we win them to ourselves instead of winning them to Jesus. And we leave them empty. And we leave them vulnerable to the adversary. And then we get our hearts broken when they backslide wondering what happened. If you looked at my favorites, gospel favorites on my iPod, There's some pretty modern songs on there. You'd be amazed at how diverse my taste in music is. I I, I like a lot of that. I like like to listen to a lot of that praise music. I like it. In small doses. I like it. Really. But this morning, as I was getting dressed and getting finalized coming over here, I had Gaither vocal band on. They were singing some, some stuff. I had my toe tapping. Made me want to get with it just a little bit. You know, kind of get warmed up for church. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I like to sing. Sing in church. Been singing and singing with my wife ever since I met her. Uh, I play an instrument. I'm a musician. Not against music. But let me tell you something. When all we get is a steady diet of that stuff, you can't act like a Pentecostal too. There is a spirit of suppression that comes on a church service. Brother Morgan said something in that camp that just absolutely just sounded like a, a sonic boom in the Grand Canyon verberating in my spirit. He said, you know, and then in that Holy Ghost crusade that night. He said, we need to worship you. Worship the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. Some more. He said, because the Lord first has to fill the house with the Holy Ghost before people can get the Holy Ghost. And we're trying to pray people through to the Holy Ghost in places that God never fills the house. How do you get God to fill the house? Well, He inhabits the praises of His people. Pentecostals have forgotten how to praise. Oh, Lord. Now, you can argue with me all you want. I've been here two services. Tell me you know how to praise. Too worried about being weird. Too worried about being different. Too worried about your golfing buddies thinking there's something. What's wrong with him? He think he's spiritual? Well, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, 
in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Do you know why we, we're more gospers than we are praisers? you know why we call people and just tear one another up? Because the Bible says in Galatians 6 and 1, Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one that's overtaken in the fall. You know what that word spiritual means in the Greek according to Thayer's? It means not only filled with the Spirit, but governed by the Spirit. Don't tell me you're spiritual because you got the Holy Ghost. That doesn't make you spiritual. You're not spiritual just because you got the Holy Ghost. You, in order to be spiritual, you've got to be not only filled with the Spirit, you've got to be governed by the Spirit. And you know what our problem is? We have been without a move of God so long, we have totally confused the difference between emotion and Holy Ghost. We don't know. We can't discern the difference anymore. I'll tell you the difference. You can tell it when the music stops. If it's emotion, the praise stops. People sit down. If it's Holy Ghost, you got to sit them down. Holy Ghost don't want to be sat down. No, 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 no. No. Not Holy Ghost. Well, thank God. We're not talking about hype. We're talking about a move of God. My God. Listen to me. Listen to me just a minute. Listen to me. Three weeks ago, Monday night, the night after Brother Morgan was with us on the Sunday after camp, and then on that Monday night, I was going to teach. This is what I was going to teach. Maybe teaching it tomorrow, the Lord wills. Life in the Spirit. I took the pulpit at 7 o'clock with a microphone. No musicians on the platform. And I, I, I said, let's just stand and worship the Lord a little bit. And I was going to let him worship the Lord a little bit. And then I was going to teach on life in the Spirit. Half hour later, they're still getting with it. There wasn't no play. They're just worshiping and worshiping. And I go a little farther. I keep waiting for them to wind down. All of a sudden, the Lord just started bringing people to me in the, in the spirit. And I walked over to one of the guys on the platform and says, there's a spirit of prophecy in this house. They said, let it go. I said, you don't understand. I see the starting point. I can't see the stopping point. I, I don't know where it's going to stop. We started praying for people. Minister to people. At midnight... After over five hours, there were still 200 plus people there want more. Not one note had been played all evening. I'm not against music. I'm not against singing. I'm just saying, you don't have, music is a tool. It doesn't produce a move of God. It's used as a tool. Music stirs emotion. But music is a tool to the spirit. And we're trying to compete with music. 
We have not had a service in three weeks that less, lasted less than three hours. There hasn't been an official sermon. We've preached. We've tag-teamed some nights. Brother Godwin's fixed to come. I told, those church, I told the church, I said, we've got a reaper coming. But hear this right now. You can forget church as usual. You hear me? When the revival that God has promised starts, there isn't going to be anything you're used to that will remain. Everything that you call normal. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about all this program we've got. All this Pentecostal predictability. There's going to be anything you recognize left. There's not going to be any place for it. No room for it. Because what we do is all about control. And a move of God is all about giving up control. Not trying to make it happen, but flowing with it. What are you doing right now, Lord? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? In the last three weeks, I've seen people that have been sitting for years that hadn't responded to the best preaching, the best teaching from in-house or out-house come to preach. Not one time. But when the gap between those that wanted God and those that wanted to be left alone was widened. Those that were wanting to be left alone started looking around saying, Whoa, something's different about here. And we can't hide anymore because we're the ones sitting doing nothing. And everybody knows we're the empty. You know why I'm preaching about this? Not, you, not so you'll think, oh, man, Annapolis. No, 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 you're missing the point. You don't have to be anybody special to have this. You don't have to be a great preacher. You don't have to have great music. You don't even have to have any music. You don't have to have a building. Our building is nothing but a slab. We tore out some walls in a Sunday school room, crammed 500 chairs in there. There's hardly no room to do anything. It's not about facility. It's not about music. It's not about how eloquent your preaching is. It's about thus saith the Lord, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You want something to happen in your city? If I haven't got you mad by now, I'm about to get you mad. David wouldn't know what to do in our services. Because in our services, the people worship. In his day, the leader did the worshiping. No, but we're good. We're good at telling them what to do. And some of us haven't moved a muscle in years. Brother Dylan, I'm submitted to you and I'm not here to cause you trouble. I'm not here to cause you trouble. But I'm going to say what the Holy Ghost has given me to say. And if I don't come back, so be it. It won't be the first time or the first place. 
I'm going to tell you what. I, I wish I could have brought him without making a spectacle out of him. My God. Our youth got a campus ministry going on in our community college not very far from the church. I was a little short guy. Brought in the service. Short, he, he might not be much more than five feet tall. Brought him in service and he was just bug-eyed. After service, the youth pastor said, he's a Muslim from Jordan. He's on exchange here at the community college. I thought, well, he'll never be back. He's back next service. A couple of services later, I was told, hey, he got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. My God. My God. I have never in my life See such pure, unadulterated joy. 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 It's not fake. It's not put on. He's not putting on a show for anybody. He was raised in a religion with no hope. No joy. He's afraid. He's afraid for his mom and dad to know it. But my God, if you want him to sit down, you've got to tell him to sit down. He's going to be jumping and moving the entire service. He started doing cartwheels. A couple of folks kind of gave it that Pentecostal look. Said, we don't do that here. No, you don't do that here. The Holy Ghost is doing this. And you know what? I got to watching that boy. And I thought to myself, oh, wait, 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 just a minute. I've had the Holy Ghost 48 years. And there is no new convert going to enjoy the Holy Ghost more than me. There is no new convert going to have more joy in the Holy Ghost more than me. You can sit back and be a spectator if you want to. But I'm no longer a spectator. I'm not letting anybody's attitude or anybody's face keep me a spectator. I want it. I want it. I want to move a God. I want to move the Holy Ghost. I want to see more cows get the Holy Ghost and act like that. You know what? We Pentecostals have forgotten that the promise is not inflow. The promise is outflow. Don't tell me you received the Holy Ghost. Show me. why our stinking tongues are so special but when I received the Holy Ghost I couldn't have it until I yielded this tongue to God I got a question for you I got a question for you if this is the most unruly member what's wrong with your feet 
if the Holy Ghost tamed your most unruly member the day you got the Holy Ghost? What happened to your feet that they got such control that they stay planted on the ground? I don't know why this praises the name of the Lord, but if this brings praise to the name of the Lord, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this if this brings praise to the name of the Lord. I know it looks stupid. I know it doesn't make any sense to my mind. But the Holy Ghost says, this praise is the name of the Lord. That's what it says. That's what it says. And the devil fears the name of the Lord. And if the devil fears the name of the Lord, and this praise is the name of the Lord, then I go praise the name of the Lord. the outflow anybody thirsty anybody hungry he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of not into out of there's got to be outflow you can't have revival and harvest without outflow There's got to be outflow. 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 Monday night. Monday night. We're learning that ministry of the Word is supposed to flow with ministry of the Spirit. The greatest ministry there is is worship. It's ministry to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You want to know how much we're supposed to praise? There's book for it right there. I'll bless the Lord at all. Bless the Lord. It's ministry. Praise and worship is ministry. And to be a true minister in praise and worship, you've got to have spirit and truth. Let me tell you the words of a heretic. I'm a word preacher. He's a false minister is what he is. If the greatest ministry you can do, the greatest ministry that can be done is ministering to God and that's worship. And it requires spirit and truth then minister to people which is less than that is not true ministry unless it's got spirit and truth with it. Oh God, restore us to true ministry. God, restore us. Restore us. Restore your people. Restore your people, God. Restore your people, God. Restore your people, God. Set us free, God. How about the verse that says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. When's the last time there's been any liberty in your church? When's the last time there's been any liberty in your life? 
whom the Son has set free is free indeed. No, we're bound by the opinions of our peers. We're bound by those that are just nibbling here and sipping there that are not hungry and thirsty. My God, 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 my God. We're so close. We're so close. But we're so used to spectating and rather getting lost in the Holy Ghost. The only one in this place that has to be sober is the one leading it. Paul said, if I'm sober, it's for your sake. If I'm beside myself, it's for my sake. The only person in the building that has to be sober is the one in charge of the meeting at that moment. My God, my God, my God, my God. Liberty. Freedom. Full. Full. Full of the Holy Ghost. 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 Governed by the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Governed by the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Governed by the Holy Ghost. Our problem is... We think all of this is emotion-oriented and emotion-motivated. Speaking in tongues is not an emotional experience. It is a spiritual experience. It's not what I'm feeling. It's what the Word of God says. It's what the Spirit of God is doing. Oh, this is hype. Hype? Hype? I would to God. I would to God. No, no, no. You, you hear me. No. No. In Jesus' name. Lord, ever, let every hungry heart, every thirsty spirit, break free from the suppression of the opi- opinion of others. Let it break free. We're empty, Lord. We're starving, Lord. We're dying of thirst, Lord. Help us to be free. Help us to be free to drink. Help us to be free to eat. Help us, Lord, to be free. Give us liberty, Jesus. Let us fill the house with your praise so that you can fill our praise with your spirit and so that people can receive the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Free. 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 Shackles come off. Bonds come off. Stocks come off. Prison doors be open. Let the people of God be free. Let the people of God be released. Let the praises of God be free. Let the praises of God be released. Let the worship the Lord.
feet be loosed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus name, Jesus name, Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name, come on, come on, come on, I know Brother Morgan's coming at some point, but let the Holy Ghost work right now, he's a man of God, he's comfortable with this, come on. People need to be full. They don't need to be empty. We need to be full. We don't need to be empty. Empty people are vulnerable to the, the, to the tactics of the devil. Full people. The principle of heaven church is to not leave like you came. You're supposed to go out a different way than you came in. Church is not pleasing to God when people come to church and leave just like they came. purpose of worship and praise and the ministry of the word is for people to leave different than the way they came every time in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I speak liberty in this place right now I speak liberty on these souls right now I speak freedom in here in Jesus' name. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be free. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be free. In the name of Jesus. 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 When you came to church, there's only two things to do in church. Give and receive. Give and receive. If you're not receiving something, you need to be giving something to somebody. Don't just stand and be a spectator. If you're not getting something for yourself, help somebody else get something. Giving and receiving. That's the principle of the gospel. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. I need to be given or I need to be receiving. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus 
In the name of Jesus. 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 This isn't about personality. It's not about personality. It's not about our personality. It's about the Holy Ghost. Free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Bound church services don't glorify Jesus. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. He cut the high on a radia tatabaka sahai. Yaki yaki ala rata hai ala radia tatasia tatahai. Yaki ala bahai ala rata tahai. Yaki ala rata radia tatabahai. Yaki ama mahai ala radiata satahai. In the name of Jesus. 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 The Lord Jesus Christ said the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. That means the spirit that the prophet has the authority to stop the spirit from working. The prophet has to yield to the spirit for the spirit to work. Well, let me tell you something else. If the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet and the prophet has the authority to stop the spirit from working, then the prophet has the same authority to yield to the spirit even if you don't feel any emotion. You can't have it one way and not have it the other. It's not one way or the other. Brother Dillon, I want to say one more thing. And then, okay, okay, all right. Okay. Monday night, I had taught and I turned the service to David. He had some more stuff he, he needed to do as a pastor. And, and earlier in the first part of that service, before I taught, they were just going nuts. And I, I really felt like I was supposed to teach that night. So the signal is this. If I say, you may be seated. I'm saying... If you're done, you can sit down, but you don't have to. If I say, you may be seated in Jesus' name, that means, I don't care what's going on, take your seats. Well, Monday night, I turned it to David and I had some stuff to do to try to get out of town. We were leaving right after church and so I left the auditorium. My wife came home with this awesome story she said the pastor was doing some things and they got to worshiping again and he said he wasn't thinking he just said you may be seated and Cal the former Muslim pipes up and everybody can hear him 
Did you say in Jesus' name? The place went nuts. I long for the day that it doesn't matter where you go in Pentecost. People don't have to be prompted to worship. They have to be told to sit down because it's time to do something else. Have you ever danced so long that you reach the place that even though you've been going a while and you don't know how long, but you've been going a while, you just enjoyed Jesus, that your heart was barely beating and you were barely breathing, even though to people that didn't know better, it looked like you were jogging in place. Have you ever danced that long? 24th of July, I got a ride in the ambulance this past July. I got a ride in an ambulance, heavy pressure on the chest, radiating pain, numbness in the hand. I'd had that the day before and prayed it off of me and was going to go on about my business. But Monday morning, early, I had, it was back and I'd call the ambulance. My wife had called the ambulance. Went to the hospital in Annapolis. They ran tests. Doctor said, uh, there's a helicopter on the way for you. We're, on our, we're flying you to the Washington Hospital Center. We're going to do an angiogram. You need to agree that whatever we find, we can take care of. Because no matter what we're doing, we can't get this pain to stop. So, wasn't my first helicopter ride. But I, I wanted to make sure I could see out. I asked, they said, yeah, you can see how. So after they got me in, they propped me up so I could see. We flew to the hospital center. We weren't hardly on the ground. Just a few minutes, and they wheeled me right in to do an angiogram. Well, people were praying. After a few minutes, the doctor said, uh, Mr. Wright, uh, I got good news. Your arteries are 0% blocked. Now, I'm 60 years old. I'm overweight. Do you know anybody that's 60 years old and overweight that has 0% blockages? Something happened by the time they got in here. Well... I got out of the hospital. You know, if you've ever had one of those things, you can't hardly walk around a little bit. It's real sore, you know. I mean, you're hobbling around. You can't hardly move, and they don't want you to do anything for fear of blood clots and all that stuff. Well, my wife had said, you know, I prayed, and I don't have any fear. This is going to all be okay. I was still having some chest pains. Weird, you know. I know what it was. Well, uh, that week was camp, so I got out of the hospital on Tuesday, and we went to camp. Brother Morgan was preaching on Wednesday night, and I'm hobbling around there and doing whatever. Well, he's with us on Sunday morning. I'm sitting there on the platform, and you're preaching, and that old feeling came. It wasn't an emotion. It was something that happened in the spirit, and I was this close to take it off running. 
And that same spirit that for a few years now has been saying, now you're getting older, you need to be careful. You need to calm this stuff down. Said, and I'm sitting there. Well, that night, it was going nuts. I came off the platform. My wife's going like this. And I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm, it, it's going nuts. And I'm, I mean, I pray. I read my Bible. I fast. I minister. God uses me. You'd have never convinced me I was bound. Never in a million years. If you'd have told me I was bound, I'd have called you crazy. I talk in tongues every day. I pray. I'm used to God. How can I be bound? But I realized, as Brother Morgan was ministering, the people were really breaking loose. I just can't move. I can't get started. I can't get started. I look, she's over beside the platform going like this. You got to know my wife to not misunderstand this. She's coming like this. I go, I said, what? She said, you need to do something. I said, what? She said, there ain't nothing wrong with your heart. And there ain't nothing wrong with you but fear. And I don't have any fear of anything happening to you. And you need to get free. You need to dance right now. It's been too long. I said, wait, hey, hey, hold on a minute. I'm getting ready to do that. She said, getting ready. You should have already been doing it. Everybody else is doing it. I said, okay. Was I feeling some great emotion? No. But I tell you what what I did feel. I knew at that point I was bound. And there's good people in this room right now. You won't admit it to yourself in a million years. But when you can't respond easily and quickly, other than our little Pentecostal... When you can't respond, my God, my God, my God, my God, there's supposed to be a freedom there. There's supposed to be a freedom. There's supposed to be a flow, a flow, a flow, a flow. You know why he said rivers? Because you can't turn on and off a river. There's supposed to be a flow. Can we try it? Notice now, no hype. Huh? Could we just try it one more time? Is There's somebody here that you just heard a little voice that said dance and you said, that can't be God. Listen, listen let, let, wait, wait, let me tell this. I, my mother was attending United Pentecost Church when I was born. I've been around the United Pentecost Church all my life. I got a little bit of history. And heritage. That sacred word for tradition. Of course, people from 75 years ago in Pentecost, if they were with us today, they think we were all backslid. 
and not because of standards either. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost at age 12. Of course, it took three years because that's the way Pentecostals did it, you know. Yeah, I started at nine. took three years. For the next ten years, I didn't hardly do anything. My dad was raised on a farm. My mother was raised on a farm. But let me tell you something, friend. Rights are self-sufficient, independent, prideful people. Yes, they are. See, you, you knew you were right all along. And I looked at that even though I'd been around all my life. It was as distasteful to me as anything I'd seen. I wanted to hold those because I wanted to be saved. And I'd raise my hands occasionally. I'd clap my hands if I was told to. But I'm not moving anything else because that looks dumb and I'm not doing it. Well, I get get out of the Naval Academy and and I go to Pensacola for flight training and, and there was a a man that was starting a home missions work right out by the base. And even though I was born in Brother Welch's church, I, I talked to him and I said, you know, I'd like to go out there and help Brother Thomas because, uh, uh, you know, I, there's some things I'd like to learn. I'm going to be in the ministry one day and, he said, and I'd like to have some experience. He said, go right ahead. It's fine, Brother Wright. And so I went. Homer Thomas was about 5'8", weighed about 160 pounds, and was, before he was saved, was the most feared bouncer in Pensacola in the bars he'd kill you he was feared had an 8th grade education he was bad to the bone he got saved he was saved about 5 years wanted to start a church he was the pastor I was an ensign in the navy and they don't make a whole lot of money but when I got there I was the biggest taxpayer he had that's how blue collar it was this guy was really smart. He might not have had a college education, but he was street smart. I told him I was called to preach. I wanted to come out and work with him, whatever I could do to help. You know what he did? He put me up leading services. Now get this. These bunch of, all, all these people were people he had dug out of the sin, man. They were, these were no pedigree Pentecostals here, you know. They were just, they bounced off the wall. They were just, every time you have service, I'm here. Oh, I want to see him look up on him. And they're going nuts. Well, my first reaction is, these people are crazy. A month or so of that, I began to feel something, Brother Dylan. I'm thinking to myself, I'm missing something here. These people have got something I don't have. A little while longer, I'm beginning to question if I got what I'm supposed to get. It was my turn. To lead service this particular night. And I'm back in the Sunday school room. Everybody else is out praying. I'm back in the Sunday school room getting direction on what songs to sing. And I'd been kneeling. I stood up, raised my hands. And this still little voice said to me, jump. There was no command. There was no insistence. It was just the slightest invitation. Let me tell you what happened. My first thought was, who, me? Before I knew what was happening, I was on my way back down. I didn't feel anything going up. I didn't feel anything coming down. But when my feet touched the ground, it felt like I was 
barefooted, and it, my feet had landed in a puddle with a shorted-out electric cord running through it. And I just started bouncing and bouncing. Nobody knows. I'm in this room by myself, just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. And I was mad and glad at the same time. I was so thrilled with what I was feeling, and I was so mad I'd wasted over 10 years. 10 years of having the Holy Ghost, and I never felt anything like that. Well, I heard the piano, piano start playing, and so I knew it was time to come out. I stopped. Nobody knew. Because with Chester Wright, it wasn't only the uniform that was starched. Right. So I walked to the pulpit. And, uh, and I began to lead the singing, and they started going. And all of a sudden, the most feared word. And up north, I don't know what this means. Down here, you do. I heard this little voice right back here said, Shout. Oh, wait a minute. Jumping's one thing. But just turn loose of all your limbs all at one time, let them all go a different direction. That is the last thing on earth. I thought I'd be a serial killer before I'd ever do that. Here's same old response. Who me? The next thing I knew, I didn't know. My legs and arms are going all over the place. And you know how you can be aware of something and not be aware of? Way back here somewhere I'm aware of, the place got quiet. And it just dawned on me. This is the greatest miracle they've ever seen. <laughs> About 10 or 15 seconds of quiet and the place went crazy. And I learned something. That worship is an act of faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So worshiping the Lord. It's not about a feeling. It's about responding to the voice of the Lord. Just respond. Just respond. It's response. It's response. There's three levels. In what happens to people that are being ministered to. The first is to hear. The second is to respond. And that's as far as most Pentecostals ever get. The third is receive. If you don't hear and then you don't respond, you don't receive. That's why so much good preaching produces so little result. Because it's in the responding that faith begins to get mixed with the word. So there can be some receiving. People that will only hear and not respond never get anything. But people who will hear and then respond. As they're responding, the Holy Ghost will begin to mix faith with that response. That word. And then they will move into the realm of receiving. There are some of you home missionaries. It's the will of God for all. But some at least. 
When you leave this place, you will not go home questioning if God's going to do it. You're going to leave here with as much certainty as you've ever had in your life. We're going to have revival. We're going to have harvest. It may not happen the day I get home. It may not happen the week I get home. It may not happen the year, this, the next year. But I know without a doubt it is going to happen. Now, without any music or whatever, one more time. Would you just raise your hands, close your eyes, and do what the Spirit's telling you to do? Well, how would I know it's the Spirit? When you first spoke in tongues, the first thing you thought it was you. Every person receives the Holy Ghost their very first time. They think it's them. They think they're just making it up. But it really was the Holy Ghost. It's exactly like that in demonstrative praise. Until you have liberty where you respond without having to think about it. That's how it starts. Right at the first you think you're doing it. But it's not you. Come on. Come on, just a little bit. Just a little bit. There's a couple of folks getting liberty. There's a couple of folks getting free. Because freedom starts with obedience. Freedom starts with praise. Like was preached to us by Brother Shatwell. Freedom starts with praise and obedience. That's where freedom starts. That's where it starts. It's not a matter of feeling or circumstances. It's a matter of faith. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. I love music. I love singing. But there was no music on the day of Pentecost. And they were drunk. They were accused of being drunk. Come on. Come on. The reason this is important to learn is because there's not that many places that have great music. You can have a great move of God without great music. You can have a great new move of God without oratorical preaching. In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus.